just on my title, so Prakash's, he said, uh, you know, some temples don't let non-Hindus in. The test should be you should give them a glass, a metal glass, and see how they drink it. Okay. If they pour it, and they're in the temple of not. <laughs> <laughs> this is a test of authentic initiations. <laughs> we should test the Jagannath temple, Vishnu temple. <laughs> drink this glass of water, and then we'll see. <laughs> how do you? <clears throat> Om Om Mangalam Gurudevaya Devi Matriksha Mangalam Mangalam Bhakta Brindebhyo Sarvalokaya Mangalam Om Stapakaya Chadarmasya Sarvadharma Sarupine Avatar Varishtaya Rama Krishnaya Mangalam Om Sarashiva Samarambam Shankarachara Madhyamam Ashmarachara Prayandam Vande Gurum Paramparam Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Deva Maheshwara Guru Reva Param Brahman Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Tasmai Sri Gurave Sri Ganesha Sharada Guru Bhyo Namaha So, picking up after one month, Swami Revered, Swami Chaitanandaji Maharaj has given actually really beautiful talks wide variety of talks uh, this this time and he I think day before yesterday or, day, or three days ago he went back to St. Louis um, and so where we had left off in our ever expanding two lecture series on Kali Puja now our 28 or 27 uh, hour and a half sections um, is on uh, uh, we were talking about the intro to Kali Puja and, uh, and we're going kind of a. We were thinking earlier. It's a, it's 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 amazing. We've talked in how many how many how many hours? That's thirty forty hours now almost. Right, we're not finished yet. And I was, we we're talking to Shri like we actually didn't go that we haven't gone that deep into into the puja. You know, it's like we it, we've gone deeper than most. You know, you look up puja on Google. We're getting more than you get on Google. <laughs> Pretty soon this will come up on Google <laughs> when you type in puja. So this will. But uh, we haven't, there's only some how esoteric, I mean, you can go infinitely deep on each thing, but it requires background, initiations, and understandings, and layers, layers of things. I think it says, how much is in puja that we can talk 50 hours and just literally uh, stay, stay at a bird's eye view in a certain sense? We take a few dips here and there, we go a little deeper than the surface. So, where do we, where, we, okay, we've done the purification. Uh, the main things: external purification, internal purification, purifying the mantra, purifying the articles of, of puja, bhuta shuti, which is of course all important. It will have a lot to do with today's section, uh, which is uh, uh, purifying the elements and, the, and 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 your being. Um, and then, what did we do? Then there is worship of the different deities, right? Like Guru Ganesha, Surya Narayan, Vishnu, Shiva, Durga, 
and worship of Sri Ramakrishna Holy Mother Vivekananda as per our tradition. And then finally, beginning of Kali Puja, where we installed, we invoked, we worshipped, um, first, we worked internally, we worshipped the Pitta Devatas and Pitta Shakti, the deities of the seat, which is the inner seat, which is within our heart. And then later, we'll do the same thing. All we're doing right now inside, we'll then do outside. Right? And then we did Nyasa, the consecration of the body, then the Pitta, uh, uh, um, and then last time, last four or five meetings, we did the Dakshina Kalika Dhyanam, the Dhyan Mantra, right? This is the mantra describing, from the Tantra Sada, uh, describing the form of Kali that's worshipped, that we're worshipping. It's the most popular form of Kali for, I can't say, it's the, it's the form of Kali that's worshipped in the home and the form of Kali that's worshipped in, in temples, right? There's other Dhyan Mantras for other forms of Kali that are worshipped you know, by by tantric groups and cremation. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a more um, that es- extremely esoteric style of puja. This is plenty. We start, this is although it's oh it's just, oh this is oh, the Kapakali of the temple still extremely esoteric, and we only touch the diva bit. Of course, she's holding what it describes her as. You know, the the gentle, benign, not dangerous form of Kali. What does she have? She has a sword and a separate head, <laughs> earrings of corpses, fetus corpses. I'm sorry. I mentioned fetus corpses, scar- uh, heads and skulls and, and girdles of hands and howling jackals that she shouts fiercely and, you know, in union with Shiva. You know, it's like, it's, it's still, that's the, you have to remember, that's the, that's the that's one that can be worshipped in homes and temples and <laughs> junior high schools and the whole thing. You know, not the one I go, <laughs> that's, a, that's the, uh, the gentle one. But you can see how deep it is. And so what, what we're describing now is this section that we're doing. Now, first you do the, you worship, you're holding a flower in Kumaramudra. We described all that. And you chant her Dhyan Mantra, describing her form. And one important point, I'm looking up a little bit, re, re, not much, but we did a little bit. Of, uh, today we're going to Manasa Puja. I'm going, there's a lot of my ideas. I did, I did research for Manasa Puja 20 Eight years ago, twenty years, twenty-two years ago in Berkeley, I remember where twenty-three years ago, whatever, whenever I was in Berkeley, I remember. When I, how many years ago was I in Berkeley? <laughs> were we in Berkeley? <laughs> wow. Twenty-one. Twenty-one years ago. That's what I said. Twenty-one years ago, you know, uh, um, and uh, and sitting on benches at People's Park and another park closer to the to the to the. There's another park on the way toward the High Christian Temple. That's right, and I'd have my. Stacks of, of of Arthur Avalon, uh, Sir John Woodruff books, and trying to find, trying to like, what is? I mean, we know the puja, we know the points, but like, where is this stuff coming from? Where are these mantras from? And and so, this morning I'm going, where is that book? I mean, I remember, I remember highlighting it, and then I found the book, and my pink highlighting from my pink mark. I still remember my pink oh, marker from Berkeley. That was my favorite <laughs> color. So it was very nice. But anyways, in it, I remember there's a there's I found after 21 years, I found one line that I had highlighted. And here it says, we talked a little bit about this also. It says, Sukha Prasanavaranam Smarana Sarohitam Evam Samchitet Kali Dharma Kama Artasidam. This is the Pulse Tutti, one who, one who contemplates this form of Kali. Right here it says, um, uh, uh, Samchitet Kali, right? Who's always, always contemplating, right? Uh, uh, Kali. Other plays, uh, uh, one who meditates on Kali, right? Uh, one gets one then the four fourfold dharma art the kama siddhi these four goals of life can be attained or something like that sometimes the one who meditates like this can attain the abode of of shiva or the abode of kali it always gives some the what the spiritual goal is but what it doesn't do is say one who chants the kalika dhyan slot, slotram, sloka 
right? One who chants this mantra is, uh, will attain that state or get these results. And this is what, one thing that happens, especially, I mean, as you're learning puja, it's, it's, it, you, you take it very seriously when you're first learning and what it means and we're going verse by verse into it and like the importance of it. But once you get habituated to it and you do it every single day, right? And you become, more, or you become a priest, perhaps, that does it many times a day for other people, right? It's easy to just... We, of course, you have to. You have to, part of the pujas. You have to do the dhyan sloka. You have to meditate on the dhyan, or have to chant the dhyan sloka. But the dhyan sloka does not say one who chants the dhyan sloka gets this gets this result. One who meditates in this way on kali. So it means it has to be a deep meditation, not just a recitation. You know, it's a different. Some things it says one who chants this daily gets this result. There are verses like that. This is not one of them. One who meditates constantly, right? Uh, here it says just san chittayet kali, one who um, yeah, yes, should be contemplated one who contemplates. Sometimes it says one nitya nitya. What's uh, in the shorter dhyan sloka? It means something like one who meditates daily, right? Nitya dhyana or something like. I forget, I'm forgetting. Forgive me. It's in the small kali book. Grab a small kali book. I probably need you know. <laughs> Most people out in the internet world have a small Kali book, so should refer to it. We'll get to that one also, but it's still the, the, the point to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Nichayam Mandisar Kalikam, all the time meditating, uh, worshipping in this way. But anyways, like, like that. So the idea you have to it's not just saying it, but actually actually the the Dhyan sloka, one of the points that uh, uh, John Woodruff pointed out is that the and, and one of the traditions in, 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 in puja that when you do it when you do actually the word dhyana means many things. It means meditation, but when in in yoga it has a circular meaning, right? It's one of the one of the eight steps or the eight limbs of yoga. And it's and it's described very it has a very specific definition. It's described as like pouring oil from one uh, the um, without break from one vessel to another without break, right? And so when the mind, when your concentration becomes un, without break, a continuous flow, that's dhyana. That's not the way it's used here. Although it's what it means, but it's not what it means here, right? Here, in in in, in when you're visualizing a deity, dhyana it means visualization. One who holds it and thinks about it deeply, contemplates. And usually it means actually describing from head to foot all the details, where she has a smile, her feet, where her hands are. All those details are to be done. And usually what's done is you meditate on, first you start at the feet, and you go up, to the, you go up the left side to her left, you know, left ankle, left knee, left calf, then her waist, and then her hand, then her lower hand, and her upper hand, and then what jewelry she's wearing, and then her face, and then up to the right hand. You, you, you circle like this, right? And then back down. And then you try to hold the whole thing. And then again you circle. This is defined in many of the texts as what dhyana means. Right? Whether or not you're actually practicing that circle, right? That, I mean, that's one thing we can do it and try to capture it. Right? But it, it, means, it, it, it does mean that intense scrutiny of every point. And not just, not just visualizing it, but visualizing it means sanchita, contemplating it. What does it mean? All the things we've talked about and so many things we didn't talk about. That's what each one of the things mean. The other day, Swami Chaitananda said when he, when he has a, what is it, uh, he's had a, he couldn't get a good meditation. So he's looking at Sri Ramakrishna and he says his, his um, I don't know what that, his clavicle, you know, exposed clavicle more. 
and he's thinking he's meditating on the Kabaka born. And he starts thinking stories associated with his body. And when he was emaciated and he was sick, or when, you know, like every detail has stories and leelas and philosophies and tattvas and 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 and, and sad and everything associated with it. And so he says, he says, I had no good meditation, and now I'm thinking about that, my mind contemplating that, like 40 minutes, I'm thinking I have good meditation on Sri Ramakrishna. Right? Just on thinking about that one body part. You know, just thinking, on a day he didn't get good meditation, he got great meditation. He spent the whole day, whole, whole, after, whole evening with, with Thakur this way. So it's a way of meditating point for point deeply. That's what it means, dhyanam, or samchittaya. So first, so you have, and also it's, Concentrating with devotion and, and contemplation, and holding it, uh, and we mentioned where is where is that deity? We're meditating. It's uh, it, it's when you when you close like when you, even here we we come and we see the external deity, right? It's interesting. Well, people accuse us, image worshippers and temple goers, Hindus in general, right? It's like oh we're ex- that do we think God's outside? It's a very simple. I mean people. It's a very simple. Critique, right? Well, God's outside, yeah. He said, "Oh, you should." But everybody who comes here, they come and they see it and they close their eyes. Very interesting. They they come and look at her and close. And we all do that. We close eyes. What do we try and you see? And then you try to feel whatever what what's there, right? It's always it's it's always connected to an internal reality, right? And so this is true even when you look at the external statue, right? It's so much true when you're trying to visualize internally, right? All these forms. It's like these these are. It's a very deep, 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 deep thing. So meditating on that, and then on holding this flower we mentioned. At next next point, this flower is then placed on the pujari's head, right? <clears throat> and then next stage is called mana, which is today's topic, manasa puja. Manasa puja is the is the mental worship or the ma- worship in the mind. Um, one thing manasa puja is also the worship of manasa devi. That's different. <laughs> If you look at Manasa Puja online, you may get Manasa. We have a beautiful deity. I mean, we have we have a tree in whom we worship Manasa Devi in the backyard, right? Uh, the uh, but her name is called Manasa Puja. Manasa Devi. She's a goddess of the snakes, right? Although she herself is not a snake, although she's taking that form. There's a long story, but in the Devi Bhagavatam it says her name. She's called Manasa Devi for three reasons. Very interesting. Uh, uh, one is because she's always doing Manasa Puja of Krishna. She's a devotee of Krishna. So in her mind, she's constantly worshipping Krishna. So her name is Manasa because she does Manasa Puja. So it's not unrelated, right? Maybe we can get her grace to be able to do Manasa Puja. She's called Manasa Puja because she's the mind-born daughter of Kishapamuni. She was born from the mind. So you can give birth to a deity by your thoughts. You know, These great, great sages can't. You know? It's also related, not unrelated to today's topic. And the other one is that yogis constantly contemplate her in their minds. So she's worshipped in the in people's minds by the mind. Sumanasa, therefore she's called Manasa Devi. So that's not the Manasa Puja, but she's a perfect example of Manasa Puja, so it's good to invoke her. Manasa Devi Swaha. So Manasa sometimes is also defined as um internal worship. So it's so it's another that's a that's a when you're thinking of it, there's Bahiru Puja and Antar Puja. There's a worship externally and internal. The internal puja, this is Manasa Puja is in that same category. Right. So, a few Shastra statements. The Shastras ordain dhyana, 
meditation after performance of nyasa and so forth, and before commencement of mental worship. That we've done. We do nyasa, then we do the, the meditation, and then we do uh, uh, mental worship. According to Shastra, dhyana is performed by really meditating on the form of the devata, no matter whether the dhyana mantra is recited or not. That's another point. We chant, that's the thing, back to the dhyana idea, because it's a setup for this. We chant the dhyana mantra, even if you don't chant the dhyana mantra, more important than chanting the dhyana mantra is meditating on the deity. Right? More, you know, so, so, so it's like, oh, if I, can't, if I don't get good meditation, I'll just chant the dhyana mantra. Then I have to admit, this is... Why should I visualize? That's what mantras are for. I'm better. Some people have a. I, to me, mantras. I engage mantras. I'm not. A, I don't have a very visual mind. But actually, visualizing the deity is more important than chanting a mantra that, this, that only tells you to visualize the deity, right? But the Sanskrit. Uh, in the Sanat Kumar Tantra, it is said, outer worship should not be done without performing before without first performing mental worship. For without inner worship, outer worship is fruitless. So that's the statement. It's like without inner worship, outer worship is fruitless, right? And so that's we could say, oh, it's like it's somebody. If we become too externalist, too ex- and you can see people we sometimes crit- we ourselves will sometimes criticize that uh, um, people who are. Um, it's interesting. We don't criticize ritualists. Ritual. We love ritual. <laughs> But exter- and ritualists and externalists, I don't know both the two, where the two meet, right? That just doing external things or worshipping ex- worshiping only external without any course, the danger is without any correspondence reality, without any cor- or any correspondence meditation. There's a danger, and there are several pages, this is what I'm reading, this is from Principles of Tantra, Volume 2, it's in the end, it goes into the ritual, the, the classical ritual that's for Tantras. So... Sir John Rudolph is not exciting read. Exactly, it's very exciting if you like this stuff. It's terribly, terribly exciting. But it's not an easy and, and, and joyful read. <laughs> you know, it's, it's antiquated for sure, you know, but, but still spectacular um, for the time especially. Anyways, um, uh, uh, one of the dangers is that, oh, that uh, 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 internal worship is all that's important, not external worship. Right, so the thing is that, but it doesn't actually say, and there may be verses that say things like that, right? More important is inner worship than outer worship, but it does. But it, the word, these verses, this instructions on wh- why to do it, what to do, and how to do, right, come from a text that tell you you have to do this, then this, and this. It doesn't say just do the, on the internal worship and forget external worship. It's an instruction on external worship. That starts with internal worship. The two are always related together. And as we begin to pull apart the details of the internal worship, they make no sense without external worship. Right? They even says, oh, to offer a flower of, of nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, a, that's a, the, one of the ahimsa paramapushpam, the supreme flower of nonviolence, one of the mantras. Right? The beautiful mantra. That's one of the flowers we offer. Now, of course, we say, oh, we don't have to offer a flower. We should offer the flower of nonviolence. Right? But they even say to offer a flower of nonviolence assumes offering flowers. Right? Not, and it assumes nonviolence. <laughs> Not just offering, visualizing, offering a flower of nonviolence. It's just action of nonviolence. And the, the, even the, 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 the details of the, of, of the visualization is the real thing. It has no meaning if, there's no, if, if flowers aren't to be offered. You know? But it also says if you, if you don't have a flower to offer, you can offer the flower of nonviolence. <laughs> right? But it doesn't say, don't, therefore, don't offer flowers. There's no text that says, chant this month and don't offer flowers. Right? So that's, uh, and this is the point not to overemphasize the internal. The two go. The two are designed to go 
to be supportive of each other. The uh, in the Bhutta Shuddhi Tantra, it's a great name for a text. Bhutta Shuddhi Tantra, it is said, inner worship is ordained in all outer worship. So all puja requires has to be uh, preceded by inner worship. O Maheshwari, Shiva speaking to the Devi, a single inner worship grants the fruit of a crore of outer worships. So a crore is ten million in the old use of the language. Now I think it just means a million. The crow means a million, right? But in the tantra, it refers to a bigger number. 10 million, 10 million right? That's the classical number, right? Uh, I think crow party is, who wants to be referred as a million? It's been used, it's kind of changed. It's because it's not an English word, but it means 10 million. So here's a minute. A single inner worship grants the fruit of 10 million external worships. But it means 10 million external, not, it means 10 million external worships without inner worship. Right, it doesn't mean you know. Doesn't mean that just do it in and don't do the external worship. Do the external worship, real external worship means internal worship and external worship. But internal worship by itself is ten million times greater than external worship by itself. That's a. It's a, you have to understand the kind of the the heavy-handed language of the tantras is the way that it presents it. Right. What necessary is there for outer worship for one who has become fully accomplished in inner worship, which even if performed. Only once grant the fruit of core of outer worship, right? An effort to perform outer worship is senseless. After, uh, uh, sorry, I hear the. So actually, it's, if there is a want of materials, for in the abs- I'm sorry, in the absence of, of 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 necessary materials, outer worship is never fruitful. So inter- anyway, uh, even if all the articles necessary for outer worship are available, it should be performed after performance of inner worship. So that's another thing. Sometimes we think, oh, if anything's missing, we, we just do internal worship. I mean, nothing's missing. But even if everything, nothing's missing, you still have to do inner worship. I'm just giving some Shastric uh, standards. Mahanirvana Tantra. So actually the main, so the mantra, I'll just go jump into the mantra. The mantra that we use is just two parts. There's a mantra describing what needs to be done, right? And it's a very beautiful mantra. I'm not expert because, to be honest with you, as we, when we first got our puja book together, the version of this didn't have the diacriticals and I was, or a translation, right? But we had later, instru- we had the mantra, right? And then we had the inst- instructions of what to do. So I practiced what to do. I didn't exactly know how to chant it, and I didn't know how the meaning of the mantra. It turns out the, the description was roughly the translation of the mantra. But so now we've worked on it and transliterated it and, and, and word for word understand it. But my my daily habit, I just put the flower in my head and start and go through the process, right? But you supposed to put the flower in your head and then chant this mantra that describes the process and then you do the process. <laughs> right? So that's uh, and also it's two ways to do it. You can chant the mantra that describes what to do and that simultaneously do it. Right, you can do like if he says, like it says, offer the lotus of your heart as a seed, the nectar dripping from the thousand petal as foot wash, and present the mind as an mind as an argya. Right, you can say that and then do it. Right, or you can just say it, chant the mantra that describes it, and then slowly, with full concentration, do it, which is probably what most people do. But it can be done both ways too. So, but what it skips, so Om Hride Parma. So there's a few mantras given in the the original source of it is the Mahanirvana Tantra. This mantra. Uh, 
and so I'm, there's a few verses that aren't part of the month of that we chant. So I'm going to give it because it gives part of their visualization. It says, Mahantantra said, The sadhaka should perform dhyanam of the Ishtadevata in, in, in this matter, put the flower on his own head, and then worship her with mental articles with great devotion. First, he should offer his heart lotus for her seat. And then, um, so it starts offer, so, that, so this is the mantra as it starts here. In another, uh, let me describe him here. Um, it's really beautiful here. I'll, I'll get to that, I don't want to get complicated. But it starts, first you meditate on, imagine an infinite, Okay, uh, one thing I want to... Uh, in other texts and other traditions of Manasa Puja, there's different ways to do Manasa Puja. I'm giving... This is the Tantric method of Manasa Puja. Some texts simply describe everything you do externally, you first do internally. So, like, if you offer, like, water for washing her feet, mentally offer water to wash your feet. It can be that simple. If you offer a plate of food, offer a plate of food. If you offer incense, imagine incense and offer her instance internally, doing it all internally. So you do the whole thing, you practice the whole thing, or do the whole thing mentally, and then, then you do it externally. That's one type of Manasa Puja. Uh, uh, another form of Manasa Puja, is, is, um, uh, which is, um, uh, uh, we do imagine the worship being done, but in the heavenly realms. Like for instance, like we have, when you're worshiping, there's texts that worship Radha and Krishna. But actually you meditate, the Dhyan Mantra, Radha and Krishna are sitting on a golden throne, surrounded by the gopis, and the cows of Vrindavan, on a canopy made of silk, and described like that. And there you see him being worshipped by the devas, and, 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 and like that, in grand worship, being offered uh, plates of jewels, and you know, so you visualize this whole, it's what's happening in the heavenly realms. Here, we offer a little plate of food, and a little stick of incense. But really what's happening is that the devas are worshipping in Goloka Vrindavan, in Baikunta, mm-hmm. with Apsaras and Dandavar singing. You know, it's like it's that type of... So you're doing your small puja, but it's very, you're really conscious of the cosmic puja that's really going on. It's another type of Manasa puja. Right? Uh, uh, so this one is a little different. This one you meditate the deities inside, and you mm-hmm. offer... Uh, the items are made, actually describes in this month, are made of bhava. Right, so it's full of the made of our feelings. They're offering the, the 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 flowers and items made of feelings. But these feelings and and we th- we feel them, but they're actually we're offering the we're actually offering the tattvas. And that's why Buddha shuti is so important. We purify the tattvas, we purify the chakras, we use Buddha shuti and all those type of things. So the item, all the things that we offer, they're they're not just not just you know we part of the puja is offering all the things you offer a guest or a queen. You welcome. Uh, washing her feet, washing her mouth, giving her clothes—you know all the things that we do. We the way we treat an honored guest or a, or a queen in her court, king or queen in the court. But those things are also some not just the traditional way of showing respect and love, right, and 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 of uh, honored guests and, and royalty. But it's also they're also symbolic of very deep things. These are the tattvas themselves. So this is how it's being interpreted. So we the first thing it says you meditate on an infinite ocean of amrita. Right, that's the infinite ocean of consciousness itself. Right, so that's Brahman. Right, so that so if you do that, then there's no need for if you can catch that, the proof is finished. Right, you can plunge in the ocean of Brahman. You know, imagine infinite in the heart. You offer an infinite ocean of consciousness of of, of Amrita, not just kind of eternal blissful uh, uh, nectar. Right, and so and then within that infinite ocean of consciousness, you imagine a, a an island made of jewels. Right, and that island is Chintamani, 
Chintamani, of wish-fulfilling jewels. Holding one of these jewels, anything you wish comes true. Right? So this is not just any jewel. And there's another description in other, in other tantras that describe very elaborately on the four sides of this island, what, what are the different surroundings. It goes into very, which jewel is where. It, it, it can get very elaborate, but I'm just giving the simple form of it. Uh, an island of wish-fulfilling jewels. So as you can see, Brahman is the wish. From that, everything comes. Right? From, from, the, from, the, from the ocean of consciousness, from the supreme reality, from her itcha, from her will, everything comes. But her, her will and our will are not two different things at this level of meditation. There's mantras that describe, the tantras describe, invoke the goddess of the mind in the mind. That's, a, that's what's going on. She is the goddess, she's, made con- she's consciousness, she's thinking our thoughts. She's, uh, you know, we, the one who thinks everything, she make her an object of your thinking. Put her in the middle of your consciousness. The one whose consciousness is everything. The one who thinks everything. Right? So starts with an ocean, ocean and an, an island of jewels. Of wish fulfilling jewels. Describes rivers and mountains and all those different things. In the center of that island of wish fulfilling jewels, you have a uh, kalpa vriksha. A wish fulfilling tree. The great tree. You know, we've, we've, we've come upon this tree before. And that tree is mentioned in so many of the Shastras. Think anything you, sitting underneath that tree, anything you wish, that it gives that fruit. Give the fruit of that. That's the fruit. And you know, normally an apple tree gives apples. And a, and a banana tree gives bananas. But a, a kalpa vriksha gives whatever you desire. Mm-hmm. Right? Material or spiritual. But you have to be underneath that tree. Right? And, and that's a theme in the Devi Bhagavatam also. That you know, about you, we, we have to approach, let's say we have, oh, I need a job or I need a relationship, or I need to do well in school, or whatever, we have, desi- we have desires. So we go to God to fulfill our desires. God to fulfill our desires, right? And we think if we can get under that tree, anything we wish for, we can be ma, right? But, but the closer you can't, I mean, we can be right here, only a few feet, or even right, right up against her, but we're not that close to her. <laughs> the way you come under that tree, is you have to, the closer you get, you get close by your own purity and devotion, and spiritual awakening, and the closer you get, more devotion, purification, spiritual awakening. You have both, right? So the gods, when they when when Tarakasura had taken over, and they they approached, they did they did tapasya to get the Devi. She's a wish fulfilling tree, please her, and you and and so they they did thousands of years of tapasya, and mm. and then Ma appeared, pow, mm. boom, Swami Chaitanya, <laughs> boom, <laughs> there she is, right? Beautifully described in every Bhagavatam, infinite pillar of light. Anyway, like 10,000 suns and the cooling light of 10,000 moons, and you know, it's this beautiful description. As this blazing light, then it takes on the form of a woman, as the goddess Bhubaneshwari, and she says, What do you want? <laughs> right? Says, we don't want anything. We just want to love you and serve you. Right? Because they're, by that time, by, they're so close to Devi to get such a response that, that, that they don't remember. She says, No, no, there's something. You started this. <laughs> You like here, like no, you have you swept the courtyard. You have a you have a coconut in your hand. There must be a reason why you came here. <laughs> Think about it. Oh yeah, some demon took over. We need we need Shiva to get married and Sati to be born and all that, or uh, Parvati to be born and Tarakasura to be killed or Tarakasura Tarakasura to be killed like this, right? So this is so the the, the wish fulfilling tree is not it. She, she is the wish fulfilling tree, but we meditate up her under wish fulfilling tree. It exists in the heavenly realm the highest uh, levels of consciousness. Um, infinite ocean of, con- of, of nectar, island of wish-fulfilling gems, a tree, a wish-fulfilling tree. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. At the base of that tree, real simple, you visualize the Divine Mother. You give her an asana of your heart. 
right? That's the way it's described in the in the um, in, in in modern tantra. Other tantras describe what is her seat made out of, right? She has four, like in the chan, in the um, Devi, the mm-hmm. the four legs, the pancha brahma asan, brahma vishnu shiva sadashiva and uh, isha, isha and and sadashiva, right? Or here it's those, and then and then there's also uh, uh, um, Mahapreta, Bhairava the Chiva of Mazan. So you, you, that can be visualized very elaborately, as elaborately as you have the, the, the mind to do it. But minimally, her, the seat that you're creating or seeing her being built out of is also being built out of... Um, uh, you're, it's really in the, lo- the lotus of the heart is being offered as her seat. But that scene is visualized, full of, also made of gems, uh, uh, surrounded by wish-fulfilling trees. All these different things are described in this card. Right. I simply wrote, visualize the infinite ocean of nectar in your heart, within this ocean an island of precious jewels, in the center of this island is a wish-fulfilling tree, visualize Mother Kali under this tree, that's simple, so that's pretty good already, right, and we know the form to visualize her, we've just described it and we've tried to contemplate it, right, now we, we, we create that thing and visualize her, and we offer the lotus, the heart itself, as although all this is being done in the heart, right, but within that also the heart is there, right, we offer the lotus of the heart, Ultimately, as her, as her asana. What does it say? <clears throat> Om hit padma padma masanam masamam dhyayet dadyet dadyet. I think this still has some mistakes in it. Offer the lotus of the heart as a seat. <clears throat> so when in puja we we idam asanam idam sogatam su sogatam it doesn't say then we offer a, a joyful welcome sogatam su sogatam and then. At the podium, we wash. We wash. We guests come. We, we wash their feet. Mm-hmm. So, where what water do we use to wash their feet? Of course, we have. We have the only water we have so far mentioned is the ocean of consciousness, right? So that we're not going to offer that yet, right? That's closer. To, closer to home, we have. In if Bhutishuti has worked, remember this is all built upan Bhutishuti. If Bhutishuti has worked. Kundalini's come up, touch the top of the head, brave the whole body with nectar. So, from the thousand petal lotus at the top of the head, there's dripping nectar. In case you're wondering, it should be. Mm. Can you feel it? Maybe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's happening even now, it's yeah. a problem, you know? Uh, um, so, from this, from the thousand petal lotus, there's what dripping Amrita, from the union of Shiva and Shakti, right? So, that water is used to wash your feet. Mm-hmm. Now, you could, you could just, you know, imagine like washing her feet, right? And we know that, but by the statement, it's that nectar, that's uh, you, by connection. Or if you have the internal world to do so the subtlety and feeling and like that to actually imagine that amrita washing her feet i don't have to me it's a little sometime i get it sometime i don't i don't have the mind for that type of thinking you know uh, the nectar dripping from the thousand petal lotus as foot wash right padyam charo chanarayo jayet manast man manast argyam niverayet and then, so then in puja, we do wash your feet, then we offer argya. And so argya means a respectful offering, right? It's, it's a traditional offering. And it can be done in different ways. Sometimes, um, you know, like, like in Western culture, like if, you know, you have a, um, uh, a dignified guest comes and you give them, you know, like, it's like they, you, you present them with a, like a bouquet or something or some, some respectful thing when they enter. You know, it's like an auspicious presentation that's shown you're an honored guest and respect you. Right, so that's that's argya, right? And so argya can also be just water for rinsing the hands, you know. That that sometimes it's interpreted this way, 
but usually it's like a like a uh, equivalent of a corsage or something, you know, something, <laughs> something like that. And so what we do we make an offering of auspicious offering. Usually for Kali we use a hibiscus flower. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen a flower within it. With that within it, there's another flower. We put leaves and bibla leaves and and duvra leaves and 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 red sandal paste and white sandal paste and rice, all these different things, all, all holy things. And we put it in sometime in like when you do suryarga, you make. Water was was flowers, and you offer it to the sun. It's Arga, right? So this is Arga for Kali, the respectful offering. So we do it here. We we um, um in the we we create an Arga for the con, in the conch, and then we usually often use that same Arga for worshiping Ma, or you can make a separate Arga, right? And that's actually a very auspicious thing. That's that's the moment when you re, you're really showing tremendous Arga is only offered to a very respectable person, so it's a sign of deep respect. And so often in, in proper put you'll get up, sometimes you'll get up and, and you'll you'll the the the, the Arga presentation will be first touched to Ma's feet, you touch to her forehead and to her heart, and then usually placed on her head. Right? Or sometimes if you can't reach or something like that, you put it on the gauze or something like that. But really it should be placed. At Takshinish it's handed to a priest and then they, they like that. And then according to the Shasu, when that's done, then the person will do full pranam, a Shatanga pranam. Because that's like if you when you offer you have to like hear something auspicious, respectful. It's like then it's it's a way of showing respect. Sometimes it, like at Belermont, the priest will get up, offer it to Takur, and then get up and do a full pranam and then sit back down. Right? It's considered a very important moment when puja is officially started. So if the seat is the heart and the drip, water dripping from the thousand, the nectar dripping from the thousand petals or fukwas, what's the argya? So here it's manast uh, argya um, uh, is the mind. So there's no more respectful offering than give somebody your mind, right? Maybe your heart, but that's already been taken. She's sitting on that already. You can't give their heart. You already given that one away. You can't give it. Can't give it twice. Can't offer the same thing twice. <laughs> so we have. We still have the mind left. You can give the mind, right? So the the mind itself is the other. Which is, what a beautiful idea of offering the mind as the argya, right? You take this ma, right? You're, you know, please come. Take my mind and please come. What a beautiful idea. Tena amrit. Amritana Achamaniyam Achamaniyam Snaniyam Tena Chasmitam So prepare So the next thing is water Achaman Water for sipping In the puja you'll see a ring that we hold up a little thing You know We do like We offer right What are we doing? We we hold up to the statue and wash We try to visualize Ma sipping or washing her mouth, actually. Like we sip our, we do before art, before puja, Om Vishnu, Om Vishnu, we rinse, rinse in the mouth, we rinse her mouth first. Right. <clears throat> so here's the, we have to make a, we have to prepare that. What do we, how do we prepare? Prepare water for sipping and uh, uh, also for snaniyam, for bathing. That's another offering for bathing, right? Uh, from this very nectar. The nectar dripping from the thousand petal is also her water for sipping. We wash her feet with that water. We sip. We offer. We wash her. Clean her mouth with that water, and we bathe her in that water. There's a um, when you do an abhishek of deities. There's different um, different things you pour, different vessels that are used. One of them is it translates as like a thousand showers, right? It's and it's, it's like a it's like a, a, a metal tray with a thousand holes or a lot of holes, and then that's hold over the deity. And you pour milk or water, and it and it just showers with, right? This is the idea that she's being bathed with thou with the, from the thousand petals, a thousand baths 
Even we, when we sprinkle the flowers, Tata Bisheka, with a hundred baths or a thousand baths, we, we bathe you. So she's being bathed with all the thousand, water from the thousand petals dripping, nectar from the thousand petals dripping to bathe her. Right? Here, what we do, we have the concha, we do, you know, externally, it's very simple, we bathe in a simple way. But really, what's, when we do that, what's really happening, we're bathing with the water from. Uh, and what are those streams? These are the Amrita from the Thousand Petals. This is nectar, the, the nectar of union. This is conscious, awakened consciousness, right? <clears throat> akasha, Akasha, Tattvam, Vasuta. So after bathing, we offer cloth. What's the cloth? Akash. Akasha means space. And so this is one of the things when we offer space. This is what cloth... You have to understand a little bit of the, the Indian poetic view, view is that how is the space element, Akasha cloth. Cloth covers something. Everything is covered by space. It's a reverse way of thinking sometimes. We think everything, but this is the idea. So we offer this, this space, akash tattva, the principle of space. Mm-hmm. Right? We should have some knowledge of it because we've awakened it in Vishuddha Chakra, in the Bhutta Shuti. So there, these things have already been awakened and purified and cleaned. It's like we clean flowers before offering and polished brass. We've done all this. We've cleaned all the tattva so that could be offered properly. Mm-hmm. Right? Prepare water for sipping and for bathing for your nectar. Offer the space element, akasha tattvam vastram, syat ganda syat ganda tattvikam. And offer the ganda tattva, the principle, the element of smell, right, uh, 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 to, uh, as, um, as fragrance. So the ganda, this is, you have to understand the 24 tattvas of sankhya, to we're dealing with. Right, so the perfume, we offer perfume, but the perfume being offered here is the principle itself, smell itself. Mm-hmm. Fragrance itself is probably a better way of saying But also smell and fragrance itself, right? The Gyanindriya as well as the Tattva, like this. Chittam prakalpayet pushpam. Right, so now we offer flowers. What are the flower? The flower? Chitta. The mind itself, or the mind, chitta, not mind, manas is mind, but chitta, in yoga, chitta, it's always so poetically translated as mind stuff, right? But the chitta, there's not a good translation. Also, uh, yogic and tantric psychology doesn't, doesn't match the language of Western. We have id, ego, superego, mind, intelligence. We have a few things like that. We don't have, they don't quite match any of our... Of our uh, uh, we don't have a good definition of chitta, but chitta is the um, the stuff. That... Could it be condensed consciousness. Sure, condensed consciousness. <laughs> that could be you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like chitta. Form. It's a yeah, yeah. You know, it's really hard because you say one thing, there's other texts that say something slightly different. But but like when you like when you think when you visualize something, it's what's what takes the shape of what you visualize. The chitta, right? So that's one way of thinking of it. Like when you when you visualize ma, you visualize everybody think of a monkey. You're always told not to think of a monkey meditation, but tonight I'm going to tell you to think of a monkey. <laughs> right? What happens? You think of a monkey. What, what happens? Where is the monkey? It's nowhere. The mind has taken that shape. Actually, we open our eyes and see a world. It's, the chitta has taken the shape of this world. You know, we, whatever the world is, we can barely know. We have some, something, right? But most of it is <laughs> the chitta taking that. We, even, if it's, we, even if we're getting information from the outside, it's, it's, we get the information, it's neurologically trans, transformed, in, and the chitta takes that shape. So we offer the chitta as uh, as a flower. So the flower is the chitta. Chitta prakalpayet pushpam dupam prana prakalpayet. And so now incense, prana. 
And so we often, you see during big during Arati sometime when we offer, we don't always offer our, uh, we offer incense every puja, but during big Arati celebrations, we offer a lot, like a handful of incense, right? And we always have five sticks for that, right? Because the five, because we also have five pranas, right? The pancha pranas. So it's like we're offering the, all our, the pranas itself. So it's, of course, these are the air, the, the movements of air, that's incense that in the body, but it's also our life itself, right? And when you think what an incense is a beautiful, it's very poetic, I think, very symbolic, is you know like you light Harudan Das Baal. He has a wonderful thing. He says, "So my life is like incense stick, right? All my problem, my good and bad, I burn. I'm simply when I mean anything that comes to me, good and bad, right? Suffering comes, difficulties comes, lawsuit, anything that comes, good things come, whatever comes, right? You light it on fire and and you and you offer it like that. And what happens? Good smell comes to everybody." From that attitude, only good comes. It spread your, your goodness, this pleasantness spreads everybody. If you can convert things like that, your life should be like that. Whatever comes, I'm doing it, and I'm burning yourself on the altar from all, and only good comes from that. Good smell will come. It's a very nice idea. Prana, Akasham, Gandasyat, Gandakatpakam, Chittam, Prakale, Pushpam, Dupam, Prana, Prakalpaye, Tejas, Tatpam, Chadipartam, Dipartam, so Deepa, now the lamp. Tejas. Tejas means fire or light, but it means it means a fire element, right? The Agni Tattva, so which is the principle of luminosity of, of, of like that. So that is the lamp itself. So although we're offering externally, these are the, the fire element and the fire and the, the principle Tejas Tattva Chittam Pakave Pushpam Dupam Prana Prakalpayet Tejas Tattam Jipparatam Naivijam Come, tell him to come in. You can come in. You tell him to come in. Oh, he's waiting. No problem. Um, <clears throat> Tejas Tattam Jipparatam Naivijam Shad Shudham Budihi And now we also offer food. Right? The Naivijam. So what is what did we offer to Naivijam? It says, um, uh, Shuddha Buddhi, the purified intellect. Right. So we yeah, where we where where we should be our purified mind. Pure, or you could say pure intellect or purified intellect. The Shuddha Buddhi could be both ways, right? So what are we offering for as food? Right. So actually, we want her to eat our. Interesting. We offer our intellect itself. Let her <laughs> consume that. Right. Mm. What's not listed here, but in other texts, so I'll add it because we don't just offer food. You offer, offer, you also offer drink, right? Food is always offered with a glass of, of water, right? So if the if the food offering is the intellect, the water offering in other month, other here it's not listed, right? But if we fill it in with other tantras, the water offering is the ocean of nectar itself. That whole nectar, that ocean that we started with, that itself is her drink, right? The ocean of nectar, right? So that's pretty good. We've got the main offerings right there, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see, offer, I'll, I'll, read, I'll read up to here so far. Offer the lotus of the heart as a seat, the nectar dripping from, from the lo- thousand petal lotus as a foot wash, and present the mind as argya. Prepare water for sipping and for bathing from this very nectar. Offer the space element as cloth and the earth element as fragrance. Offer chitta as, as a flower and prana as incense, the fire element is light, and pure intelligence is food. So that's where we are. 
So that's not all we do in puja. What else we do? We also ring a bell. So what's the bell that we ring? Mm-hmm. I turned the page. Anahata dvanir gantaha. The the sound of the bell is anahata. The uh, the uns what they call it, the anahata uh, dwani. It means the unstruck. We, it's very poetic. The unstruck sound, right? And we have the anahata chakra like that. <clears throat> so that's a big topic. That's a different topic, but for another day. But it's the unstruck sound. This is. In a simple thing, it's the the continuous substratum of sound of consciousness, uh, uh, the movement of consciousness. Om, that's in the deepest reaches of our being, always going, reverberating. So it's the sound, the a sound, the unstruck sound, or the unpronounced sound. We can say Om, that's not the Om. Oh, the real here, the Om is the one that's not spoken. It's all the time going. Um, so that can uh, uh, so that's the ringing of the bell. And all puja from the in Arati, the whole puja, the bell is being rung. That sound is always there. And actually, there's many mantras, even when we worship the external bell, we say, you are the sound Om. Right? The, the conch is also considered the sound Om. From which, from that, from Om comes the Gayatri, from the Gayatri comes the Vedas, from the Vedas come creation. The whole thing comes from Om, right? It's the, it's the just like the, from an infinite ocean of conscious comes name and form, from the infinite, from the infinite profound sound Om comes, comes everything, right? So this is the, the bell that's being rung. Anahata Duniganta Vayu Tattam Chachamaram. And we also wave a fan, Chamar. Right? That is Vayu Tattam. The, the, the air principle, the air tattva. Right? Um, so that the, the, her fan, we're being, she's being fanned by uh, Vayu Tattva, which is in the heart also. Right? That right? Vayu is in the heart. Yeah, Vayu is in the heart. <coughs> Chamaram. Sahasram Bhavet Chatram. Ah, this is very nice. Uh, we don't. You see above Ma, there's a little fan, right? There's not a fan. Um, umbrella. Thank you. Umbrella. There's an umbrella above Ma, right? So that's one of the one of the things that you offer in puja is an umbrella. Sometimes in a formal, in a very elaborate puja, they'll let you make you get a little silver umbrella, and you 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 offer it. That's one of the things. Like when we offer asana, we go Iram Masan, please sit. Or you can actually get a little tiny silver throne and show it to her and put it there. This is your throne. I mean, you're offering her the things also. So the fan is a, the uh, umbrella. Once I get a word in my head, I can't stop. <coughs> uh, 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 an umbrella. So what's the umbrella we offer her? We all carry around our own umbrella. What's that? The hasa. So the umbrella is the thousand petal lotus itself, right? We also have. You think our if we if this whole thing is internal and yogic and tattvic and uh, you know, esoteric, right? Tattvic, is that good? Is that good? If it's all tattvic, babic and tattvic, tattvic, right? We have a beautiful umbrella we carry around everywhere we go, right? We, the stick is, <laughs> the, 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 the idea eventually has to be opened up, you know, power comes from within and opens it up, right? That's it. So the umbrella that's offered is the thousand puddle lotus itself, right? So this is very uh, beautiful. One offers the unstricts on Om, the ring as a ring of the bell, and the element of uh, element air as a yak tail fan, the thousand petalos of the umbrella, right? And then also in in elaborate, we have a six, there's there's five item puja, ten item puja, sixteen item puja, sixty four item puja. In a sixty four item puja, actually every day, the, most of the sixty four items are done every day, just not ritually. Like for instance, we, we also sing for Ma. That's one of the offerings. He'll sing for Ma a little later. He'll do that, he'll satisfy that part, God willing. Right? You sing for Ma also, right? You dance for her, right? You cook for her. You uh, there's all these things that are done during festivals. There more of these things are done. There's 64 items of, of, of deity worship. 
So along with the puja, has, she has to have songs or mantras. So what's the song? The offering of song? Shabda tattvam jagitakam. The sound element itself is the, the real song. Right? Of course, it should be devotionally, you know, we can sing, but, but the in, internal song is the sound, the sound element itself is her song. And this is my personal absolute favorite vert mantra, right? This gives me a lot of hope that my puja is entertaining her. Because we also, uh, uh, one of the things when we dance, because the problem is actually in, now we have tantric dancing, ecstatic dancing, and all these type of things that are, that are <laughs> they're, they're mixed like that. that. Usually it's like, oh, you have to, people dance to enjoy themselves, right? But actually devotional dancing is you dance for Ma's entertainment. It's for her pleasure. This is why it requires training, and refinement to do everything so in a way that it's it's a beautiful offering not for your own uh, kick right but for Ma of course we get happy to, I mean dancing is wonderful and it's a Ma's expression within the heart that's a, that's not what I'm talking about but in in, in a, this type of devotional answer that you get your pleasure from her pleasure by offering the most refined the most excellent the most uh, tasteful the most expert uh, uh, thing so we have to dance for her and 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 we have to and therefore we it's with dancing. Classical dancing is not easy. It takes years to learn, right? Your teacher beats you if you do it wrong. You know, it's like it's one of those <laughs> the good old fashioned guru. You need a guru, right? Uh, 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 has to be done. It's, it's it's some of these girls. You know, these some of the, our young girls. They go what's that? Their opening concert, their first concert. They do what's that called? Uh, they're coming out party in a certain sense. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's a in order to do their first official performance oh, yeah, we yeah. we perform the first thing we we learn something and immediately want to perform right after yeah. 10 12 years of hard practice then they do their first official performance right and they get and then only then they're allowed to wear some of the markings and like the bells and things like that right to do the and very often before they have usually a big concert right performance and they invite family and it's a huge expensive deal Right, but very often and locally, a lot of the girls come here first, and they offer their bells to Ma, and they dance in front of her, and then they go next day or later that day for their concert. You know, they really want to do their first concert in front of Ma, their first dance performance in front of Ma. Then they go and do for the family and teachers and the community. Right, very important. So that's discouraging because we don't we have to do it. So many years of practice, even to you have to have years of practice even to be. Mediocre in, in, in art. At one of my, my, our band teacher in junior high school says, you, you have to practice. He says, I'll tell you, as a professional musician, you have to practice 10 hours a day to be, to be lousy. Right? <laughs> what does make it be good? Right? That's a fact. So, how are we going to, what can we do to perform for Ma, to entertain her? So much work, so much refinement, so much. We, this turns out I can do this. Nritya nitra mindriya karmani chanchalam manas. Manasatata. So, we offer the actions of our unsteady mind as a dance performance. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's one thing I want to point. I have one of those. I'm very practiced. I have years of refining my unsteady mind. We take the whole life of practice, <laughs> right? Uh, those are my favorite. Like the, the the flickering unsteadiness of the mind. That is her dance performance. She's getting a kick out of that too. <laughs> that I think would have boils down to, you know. I like this. This is my my personal favorite. This is the one that I got down so far. The other ones I sometimes get, sometimes I don't get. This one every time I get, right? Nirityamindrikarmani chanchalam. This ever moving, ever changing mind 
as dance. Sumikalam, Sumikalam, Padma, Padma Malam, Pushpam, Nanda, Padam, Tataha. So now it's describing, my eyes aren't being clear right now. Let me see if I make it bigger. Oh, that helps. Um, now we will offer um, um, handfuls of flowers, right, for the attainment of um, divine qualities, right? So let me see how I translated it. Uh, offer varieties of holy grasses, lotus flowers, and flowers. These are grasses, means druva and bibla and all those holy grasses. Uh, uh, lotuses and various types of flowers. Um, for the removal of the qualities of ignorance born from sense perception. So we're offering, we offering these flowers so that our ignorance will be removed. But the ignorance specifically that's caused by sense perception. And, uh, hmm? Which she gave. Of course she gave. But the thing is, we perceive the world because of sense perception. But we have sense perception. But sense perception creates ignorance. I mean, we perceive, we have sense perception because of ignorance, right? But the sense perception reinforces ignorance, right? We see the external world and we think it exists. I see you and I think, and I, think I know about you. We, you know, it's like we externalize the mind and then we compartmentalize everything. We judge everything. We assume we know uh, and we build the entire world upon... We build our entire internal world out of very flaky evidence, for sure. Right? That's the problem. Right? Even if we're clear-headed and we're clear-minded and, and well-grounded and all the things we're encouraged to be and good think, critical thinkers and not judgmental and all the things, right? It's very flimsy, for sure, our, our little world that we create, right? Um, so it's very interesting. So we're, in order to remove this ignorance born from sense perception, we'll offer... Um, uh, handfuls of holy grasses, fly, mentally of course, of flower, and it's and and it's now it's it says thus. Now it's going to list uh, ten, fifteen, or ten or fifteen main um, uh, things that we want to remove. Right? These are the things, the the aspects of ignorance that are born from sense perception. Right? So what are these? Uh, so the opposite of the one of I'm going to give you here. One of them is like arrogance. Right? You know. So we want to remove non arrogance is one of the flowers. So arrogance, it means that you can translate that arrogance is one of the products of ignorance caused by sense perception, right? So you can go through it this way, right? Amaya, <clears throat> so I'm just going to uh, uh, go through these. Offer the, uh, um, sorry, um, holy grass is... Offer the actions of the unsteady mind and the sense of dance, offer a variety of holy grasses, lotus flowers, perception. Now it's correct listening. So, first one is Amaya, non Maya, right? Absence of Maya. So, the, one of the flowers is are you offering the flower of non Maya or are you offering a flower for the removal of Maya? You see how that it's, a, it's the same. So, I'm offering the flower of non ignorance. <coughs> That means I'm offering these flowers so that ignorance is removed. I'm offering the flower of non-violence so that violence is removed. Something like, it work, kind of works that way. Kind of a negative, positive, I don't know how to, uh, language that it's using. Amayam anahankaram, and absence of ego. Another flower, or handful of flowers, is absence of ego. Aragam, amadham tata, absence of attachment and absence of arrogance. So maya, ego, attachment, arrogance. These are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right? 
So we should just we just sit there, we put a flower in a head and just chant the mantra and put the flowering and start and then start doing the thing. Actually this is this is real stuff. You know, this has to be this is the the, the Manasa Puja is not just visualization. This is it's meant like we, we want the we want the benefit of the puja. This is the benefit. We have to work for the and this is what then we have to know what the real benefit, what's the work that has to be done. Right? This is what we're working on through the puja also. Amoha. Without moha, not moha means without um, uh, delusion. Uh, Adhambham, without uh, deceit. Uh, absence of enmity and agitation. Absence of envy and absence of greed. Understand that these are the ten flowers. So there's actually there's 15 flowers that are going to be offered. These are the first ten. Amoham, Adhambham, Cha, Advesha, Kshu, Pako, Tataha. Amatsaryam alobhamcha dasha pushpam bidhur puddaha. I'm not expert at this mantra, please forgive me. Like I said, I often just visualize it. I do it without always the mantra. So that's the first. So these are the first absence of, uh, uh, absence of my, absence of ego, absence of attachment, absence of arrogance, absence of delusion and deceit, absence of enmity and agitation, absence of envy and absence of greed. Understand that these are the ten flowers. There's another mantra. The next one is five more flowers. These, these, these ten flowers are not sufficient, turns out. And this other mantra I like very much. This one I, I sometimes recite. I think it's a very, it's, to me, it's a very essential mantra. And our little book, The Return to the Source, there's, there's a, a writing on, a meditation on, on this mantra. Ahimsa parama pushpam pushpam indriyagraha daya pushpam kshama pushpam jnana pushpam chapanchamam. Right, so. These are the, it says, these are the five flowers. What are the five flowers? Ahimsa parama pushpam. So the supreme flower, the supreme of ahimsa, of nonviolence. Right, this is the highest flower. Right, and you, we hear ahimsa parama dharma. Right, ahimsa is the greatest religion, the greatest dharma. We've mentioned before, sometimes uh, uh, it's a, we're, uh, sometimes, they, oh, this is a, of course ahimsa is important, but it's one of the yama niyamas, uh, one of the yamas, it's mentioned throughout but it's it's been it's highly emphasized, of course, and this term ahimsa parama dharma that's well that was influenced by the Jains, and we can see and 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 and, and, there, and later through Buddhism, um, and that's true. Hinduism did absorb, but actually this is in Mahabharata. This term ahimsa parama dharma is a classic Jain statement, but it's also found in Mahabharata. There's a second, and it's part it's part of a very long litany, lit, litany. And it says, Ahimsa Panama Dharma, Ahimsa Panama Gati, Ahimsa Panama. And it goes like, it's the greatest religion, the, the highest duty, the highest uh, sacrifice, the highest puja, the highest service, the highest, you know, it goes, it, goes, it has a long list, right? And the Mahabharata is not a, a nonviolent text. It's a text about a great war, right? Uh, both internal and external. We can't, can't just over symbolize it. It's like, but it's still, whatever the situation, it is the highest ideal. It is the highest. It's not the Dharma that everybody can get perfectly. As I, if, even if I say these things, so many things are being killed in my, as I inhale and exhale. So you have to put it all in a little bit perspective. But still it is the highest. The highest dharma is ahimsa. And, and, and um, can you get me one more? Give me my book. I want to read that section. Thank you. I'll forget a lot of the points. I've thought so much about this, but of course now I can't remember any of my points on that. Ahimsa parama pushpam, pushpam indriya graha. Indriya, indriya nigra. I mispronounce it. So another flower is Indriya Nigra. This is um, um, uh, con- controlling of the, se- of the Indriyas, of the senses, right? Self-control or sense control. Self-control and sense control. 
Can you even open everything? Just put it <laughs> He's so good. <clears throat> he probably has a hard time visualizing the, the restless mind thing as a problem. So I'm better at that than you. Know. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Ahimsa Paramapushpam. Nonviolence. Ahimsa is living high ideals in daily life. The one we love exists in all beings. Every time we choose the option that causes the least possible harm and suffering to others, this is choosing love, dignity, and respect. The fact is, we cannot not live without harm, causing harm. And like I said, every breath. Like it's like, oh, I would sometimes think, oh, oh horrible. This, this, uh, this, these, somebody brought cookies, they have egg, we can't offer this. Let's go, go to Trader Joe's and get good cookies. The going to Trader Joe's, you've killed thousands of things more than... I mean, it's like you have to put it all in perspective. We try our best, offer the best thing. But in every situation, between this, between this cookie and that cookie, between this word and that word, right? Between, what, between being anything, you always have a choice. And the choice of a, a nonviolent choice is, in a certain sense, expressing love, even if you don't feel love, right? But it's coming from that ideal. You know, it's like I'm trying, to do, I'm trying to do good and also trying the other side of that is trying not to harm, right? So it's a um, our conscious choices in diet, clothes, words, and actions become the supreme flower, Padmapushpam, of selfless love in our worship of Shiva. And Shiva reciprocates with this act of love by keeping our karmas, conscience, and lifestyle pure. So like you see, if you choose nonviolence in every, in every situation, everything becomes less tangled for sure. Your karmas are less tangled. That's the problem. You go, it's like, it's like you're a mosquito and you do this, right? You kill the mosquito, it's not the worst, probably not the worst capital offense. There's not much punishment, except that you yourself just slapped you. I mean, you can see that's the punishment immediately, right? But still, there's some you've compli- Why did you make this complication, right? You've killed something, you've changed its karmas completely. Now you've changed your karma, you, you've connected yourself, you've complicated your karmas. Every little thing like this, if you just do like this, just get rid of it and it goes away, then the same, mostly the same effect is there, right? You didn't slap yourself. I often see people like, like when I got wild, there's instant karma for sure. <laughs> During mosquitoes, I see, see in India, I get a lot of instant karma. You know, it's like, the, the mosquitoes, and the thing is, nothing happens to the mosquitoes. I never catch them. And I just, I beat myself silly trying to kill mosquitoes that I'm not going to kill, you know. Very complicated thing. Not that mosquitoes don't have to be controlled. That's the thing. These are not larger things. But in every little situation, you, you, can, keep your, you can keep your karmas clear and not complicated, right? That's an important part. Ahimsa Pushpam Pushpam Indriagraha. Indriya Nigraha. Indriya refers Indriya refers to the five senses. Indriya also means controller. So that's where the word Indra comes from that. Indra is the, the cosmic controller, the heavenly controller, king of the gods, right? So Indri, so it has a similar. We are usually controlled by our senses instead of using them as instruments given for God by God by for living a life of service, joy, and transcendence. Swami Chidananda Maharaj, he, he often says that the problem, something happens in order, the senses are, 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 inst, are tools given to us by the Creator, right? In order to, to bring us information from the external world so that we could satisfy, do our karmas and dharma and everything, right? So if, like, the eyes are meant to bring us visual information, the ears are meant to give us, to bring us sound, right? So they're tools, but there's a danger in those tools. Somehow or another, somewhere along the lines, we've lost control of the tools, and the tools now control us. We're, they're meant to be instruments, and now they become controllers. How it happened, he says, we don't know. Somewhere along the line it happened. And you can see, you know, in Sri Ramakrishna described, these are upadis. 
Like if you have a pen in your hand, right? The pen is, you use a pen, of course, we, we, you have a pen to write, put a pen in your hand. Eventually you'll start doodling on something, right? It's like, what did I do? I just, you know, like, or put a hammer in your hand. You'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll start hitting something, you know, you can't help it. Even though it's a tool to, to, to do something, you, it, it, its presence changes you. It, it affects you, right? Uh, it seems to affect you at least, right? Upadi, this is a, a limiting adjunct. adjunct in, uh, there's no good translation of Upadi, but Buddhists have a, a highly developed idea of Upadis, but they're in Hinduism also. <clears throat> so, uh, 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 the, so the senses, uh, we lose control, and then, and, and then instead of... Uh, them being our servants, they completely control us. And then what happens? They're they're oriented outside. That's the nature of it. That's what they're the eyes are supposed to be outside, right? And that's great. We have to have information from outside. Otherwise, you know, bump into things as we walk around. You know, we need external it's like that. But if we but now we've lost the outside is only one part of our life, right? You know, and we've lost control. We've lost any contact with with, with our inner world, right? Because we're not because the sense is going out naturally outside but the mind by attachment to the senses right f- flows out also right we don't know how to it's like concentrate close your eyes and th- you know it's like you, it, we, we, we close our eyes and the eyes start if you see somebody close your eyes and, and try not to think you see somebody's eyes flicker they cannot not see right they have no we have lost control of the, and therefore we've lost control of our inner our, our inner vision Indriya Nigraha Nigra is gaining control of the of the controllers. This is done by following pure precepts that represent pathways for purifying our relationship with our bodies, other people, and the world we live in. This is an important that that this is one of the things following pure precepts, right? This is yama, niyama, or the equivalent. Every group has every tradition has some uh, internal vow, some inner pr- principle, uh, uh, standard like this. If we by following pure precepts, we can walk actually. We also said somewhere else in this book there's a quote that we we by following pure precepts we walk through mother's realm untouched, right? You can it's difficult to walk through this world un, undamaged, but if you walk with some principle, then relatively you can you the big stuff you can you begin slowly to control the mind, control the tongue, control the both the tongue isn't speaking and control the tongue is eating, right? And 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 the other senses also. Only suffering. Only suffering and degradation come from losing our independence to uncontrolled senses. Real joy comes from simple, loving, and dharmic relationships within a life of God communion. That's the second. Ahimsa parama pushpam pushpam indriya nigraha. Daya pushpam. Daya, where are you? There you are. Daya pushpam. She's one of the pushpams. The, 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 the flower of compassion. Right. Compassion, daya. Is the quality is a quality of the soul. This is a reference to the Srimad Bhagavatam, where the soul is described. Dharma is described as having four legs, or another way of saying that the the soul, the self, has four qualities: daya, compassion, uh, shuddha, shuddhi, purification, pur- purity, uh, um, um, satya, truthfulness, truth, and um, tapasya, self-control. These are the active qualities of the soul. We cover them so many ways. Anyways, daya is the quality of the soul. Every act of mercy, charity, duty, and kindness reveals this divine quality or unveils this divine quality. By living simply, much energy, time, and wealth are freed for the service of Shiva in the hearts of all. And I, in this little text, I'm talking about Shiva because the original month I mentioned Shiva. 
ahimsa parma pushpam pushpam indriya nigraha daya pushpam kshama pushpam oh that's one kshama kshama means forgiveness who said that yes forgiveness yeah means uh, forgiveness right kshama pushpam forgiving someone who has hurt us especially if humbly requested by them mm-hmm. the thing right because the problem is that it's not easy always to forgive of course but if you see i i I've, i've been in a condition i've been in a situation where i've had to ask forgiveness for somebody who did not want to forgive she was, she was still pissed off at me you know like <laughs> but she says oh, i i humbly beg your forgiveness she says of course <laughs> they don't like you but anyways <laughs> but to, to to somebody says please forgive me you say no you can do that it's, in, it's under your control right but it's it it evokes a higher principle uh forgiving someone who has hurt us especially if humbly requested by the un- it does have unties knots in the heart this also awakens compassion as we learn to recognize how the struggles of others informs their bad decisions and selfish hurtful and thoughtless behavior this doesn't mean actually that when we when we forgive people we get a certain type of compassion right and then we see that where their behavior comes from it's complicated nobody does anything for just one reason right and it's always it, it comes from all kinds of things right it gives a, a sensitivity to that if uh, this also awakens compassion as we learn to recognize how the struggles of others inform their bad decisions and selfish hurtful and thoughtless behavior forgiving others and ourselves does not mean lowering our ideals standards or expectations that's the thing is like uh, that's a problem is we don't want because that could be we're accepting your behavior or accepting right? not necessarily Right, but rather understanding the obstacles we all face as we struggle to grow and mature every act of forgiveness or of asking others to forgive us is a manifestation of the innate humility of the soul before god ahimsa parma pushpam pushpam indriya indriya nigraha daya pushpam kshama pushpam gyana pushpam that's the, the the fifth of the of the flowers gyana gyana pushpam wisdom gyana is the fruit of spiritual living it is distinct from knowledge and expertise that come through education and training this is two points so usually we think we go we we by going to school we get knowledge right and by being or we get tra- we get uh, uh, by education we get knowledge by training we get expertise right that's not gyana it's a different sometimes gyana is used that way but here it's not being used this way gyana is something different right wisdom does not come from outside wisdom is our an inherent quality of the soul it is not learned it manifests in the sadhu tradition we term it puran ved the ancient knowledge that we have forgotten over many lives of selfish striving so this line i'll tell you where it came where i we wrote this i may have mentioned the story there's a old sadhu named brahmananda yati he varies must be 90 or something in his 90s and he comes he comes to our ashram in allahabad every year during the mela uh and stays in our ashram he does his own thing and he was my um roommate for some time we had a big hall and we was like that and 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 the problem he's wonderful and he and it's like he also looks cuz like you know cool there's some sadhus that look cool he's cool he's, anyways a long beard and you know unstitched cloth tight and 100 knots you know they do that tie across here and very cool the old traditional way but he has no english and i have almost no hindi <laughs> 
no Hindi. If you, to a Hindi speaker, they tell me I have no Hindi. For me, I have a little bit of Hindi, right? So we can never communicate, right? But he, we like each other, and we, we, we walk around, we go to Bandaras together, we take our, we go Ganga Snan Maharaj, we go for the Ganga and take our bath like that, but we can never speak, right? And so uh, Jayashree came. Jayashree is a Hindi speaker, right, who speaks perfect English, but she's also really good at translating, like, philosophical Hindi. She has enough background that... that, that so it's great when, when she's a great translator for spiritual things. She knows the topic yeah, and the subtlety. So I, I caught him. I grabbed her and took her in front of the kitchen of the temple. I says, tell him, ask him this. Tell him, you know, trying, trying to get some information from him. And what do you, what do you ask when you finally get somebody to... Because to, I had people who spoke, but they never, they never translated properly. Right? I wanted a, a, a clear translation. And so I didn't know what to say after, all, after years of being together every, for every, every year. It's like, so I use a standard. It's a very good way of approaching Sadhu. says, oh, Maharaj... You are a very senior sadhu with so much experience, right? So many years of tapasya and austerity and realization and, and blessings like that. And we are just, yeah, we're, we're still young, but we're really young back then. You know, we're just a young, just beginning the spiritual path. What is the, um, can you give us some advice? Right, the first thing he said, very nice. He said, the tulsi, very small, but offered to God, no problem. Now, even if you're a small sadhu, your, your life can still be offered to God, no problem. That was a very charming thing. Right. And then the other thing he says that he used this term Puran Ved, right? And I thought, oh, it means like the ancient scriptures. I mean, that means means ancient knowledge, right? We have ancient knowledge. He says we all have an, uh, uh, we all have the ancient this ancient knowledge. By our sadhana, right? It 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 gets uncovered. Not that by education you get information, by training you get expertise, but by sadhana that which is which is within you comes out. Right, he says, I see you're doing puja and japa and kirtan and going, you know, like, you're doing good. Just keep doing, the old knowledge will come out. You're young, but inside all of us, we have ancient, the ancient knowledge, the unchanging knowledge, right? Very profound. The only real conversation I had with him. Mm-hmm. Although I've known him for years, every year he's there, we talk, hang out and make, each, make him tea and the whole thing, you know? Jnana pushpam chapanchamam. Panchakam. In order to, uh, uh, sorry, uh, wisdom, wisdom is the fruit of our spiritual living. It is, a, it is distinct from knowledge and expertise that comes from education and training. Wisdom does not come from outside. Wisdom is an inherent quality of soul. It is not learned, it manifests. In the Sadhu tradition, we term it Puran Ved, the ancient knowledge that we have forgotten over many lives of selfish striving. Contemplation of sacred texts, company of devotees, living simply and close to the rhythms of nature, and daily spiritual practice help us remember the reality that has always been there, just behind our fluctuating thoughts. Wisdom manifests as clear understanding, purified intuit, intuition, and direct revelation. Wisdom is Shiva worshipping himself. Often, then, then it says, Jnana Pushpam Chapanchamam, these are the five flowers. Offering these five flowers is a moment-to-moment sacrifice of selfishness and separateness, the tools of the ego. This is a recognition of the one who pervades everything, and everyone, including ourselves, and who manifests as everything and everyone, including ourselves. In order to sustain this internal offering, it is also important to chant the divine mantra and sadhana morning and evening, to invoke and honor the divine at home through daily puja and prayers, and to regularly worship at temples surcharge its divine presence. By the grace of Lord Shiva, every act and every thought becomes a living, a loving offering. Then God, God then is our center, our foundation, and our, our reality, and our destination. This is my meditation on just one of these verses, but they're all verses that are like this. So, uh, <clears throat> these are the five flowers. So, uh, uh, 
offer the, the five flowers, the cream flower of nonviolence, flower of control of the senses, flower of compassion, flower of forgiveness, flower of wisdom. Iti pancho panchasa shivar bhavaha pushpai. These 15 flowers are formed of bhava. Right? These flowers, what are they made out of? Our bhava, our feelings, our sentiments. Right? Right? They are used in the worship of Shiva, of the divine. Here it just it means Shiva, right? So this is, as it's described here, that's where it ends in our month. And I have, I'm out of time, but I want to finish this little, my thought here. Uh, so, in the Ramakrishna Puja, this is how it's there. In the, in the Mahanabhana Tantra, it gives other detail. It gives offering of parched grains and fish and goats and... and, and uh, 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 buffalo and these type of these are the traditional offerings in the goddess tradition, right? But they're done internally, right? Not externally. And so the two that we usually think is the goat sacrifice and the buffalo sacrifice. Now, uh, uh, so what's the goat sacrifice? It's, uh, the mantra is not here. I don't have the, the mantra, but I we do the visualization because it's part of it. But the, we don't have the mantra form. I have to get a good copy of Mahanirvana Tantra and look up this mantra to add it. But it says that the uh, the the goat is uh, lust. Right, lust is the goat, right? Ultimately, so by sacrificing the goat, exactly overcoming, that's a real, the real uh, animal. You can see this is our animal side of us. Yeah. What about uh, the uh, buffalo? This is anger. You see, anger, buffalo is way bigger than a goat, right? Anger is way bigger. And actually, what is anger? Frustrated lust. Frustrated desire is anger. That's the definition of anger, right? And so this has to be overcome. These are things we want to offer, our lust and anger, our frustration like this. Visualize this way. And then the, the also part of puja, we also do, then we offer japa. And so what's the japa? You'll see after puja, you know, the pujari during Ma's eating, we'll, we'll chant mantras. We offer the fruits of mantra japa. And the mantra says exactly, we do japa, you could, uh, on, we do the ishta mantra, but which, this is all internally, right? So we usually, this is too big, but we do a mala, and you chant Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, whatever the mantra is, right? But what are the beads, and what is the string of the inner mala? The inner, the string is the kundalini itself, right? That, and, and the beads are the, the uh, letters of the petals of the, of the chakra, of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. So, and we have, if you think, we can do the math, uh, four petals, then six petals, then ten petals, then twelve petals, and sixteen petals, and two petals. What is, how many to that? Do you know? That's a hundred. That's fifty. Right? And if you, so if you go up, if you, if you imagine, I mean, there's different ways to do this, right? With all kinds of tantric combinations with bead mantras, with the letter. You can also do like, um, then the mantra, and then um, and then this the mantra. You can do all kinds of ways like this, right? But you can imagine, if you chant on the four petals, one, two, three, four, and then the next pedal, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, and you know, your way up, up to the one, and one, two, and then go back, one, two, all the way back down, you've done a hundred, right? But usually we change a hundred and eight, we need, we need eight more. So then you go up the center of the, of the pedals, I'm just giving a very gist of a cool, cool thing, right? So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, and then Bindu Chakra, seven, eight. So you can do, this is, you can do a whole mala chanting on the pedals of the chakras. Right, so that's also cool, you know. <laughs> if you like that type of thing, he likes that type of thing. So I'm bringing it up. <clears throat> Says uh, um, next, after offering the sacrifice, lust as goat and anger as buffalo, the sadaka should pr- pr- proceed to perform mental japa. In this japa, the fifty matrika letters will be the beads of the rosary. 
and the kundalini herself will be the thread on which the beads are strung. After offering japa in this manner, mentally bowing with eight limbs, and thus finishing the inner yajna, the inner sacrifice, the sadhaka should proceed to perform the outer worship. So this is the statement. This is from the Mahanavana Tantra itself, right? So after this, and so also this is, I'm giving you a technique, a very general thing of going through like that. Or it's just, if you just chant your job, if you chant mantra, what's really being done? The, the, whether, whether you visualize that little thing, I, little game, I, little mental game we can do about the chakras like that, that's just mostly entertainment for the mind, right? When, you chant, when, you're doing, when you're chanting japa, the mantra is being done on the 50 letters of the alphabet. Right, the, the akshara is made of the one sound becomes the fifty sounds. These fifty sounds are in the petals of the chakras. This is our psychic being, our astral being. Right, this is the devi, and also by nyasa we've awakened this. We've created a, a whole new body made of mantra muti devi. It says right that her o devi, your body is only made of mantra. Right, she's made of. She's a manifestation of vibration and sound. This is the the where the world manifest. Our body, the our, the world we live in, is just a vibrating of her consciousness. These are the, represented by the matrikas. So when we chant mantras, we are chanting on the beads of the chakras, even if we're not visualizing that. Right, and it is strong on kundalini, the very core of our being, the grace of our being. Right. So it says. So uh, after this internal worship, only then external worship can be done. Right. And so also then we know, in a certain sense, when, we, when this is done with eyes closed, then we open our eyes. What do we see? Well, we see the one that we've been visualized inside. And then we look, we have all these things. Oh, we know those things. We offer them all internally. We also, they, you're connecting uh, the, the external, seemingly external objects. That's why it seems, it seems silly to now call it external objects. Right? You're simply, these are, you've, already, you've already connected them, established them as the internal objects. As, in, as the tattvas, as the bhavas, right? And so the external thing are also, it's not, oh, these are the 15 flowers made entirely of bhava, right? What about the external flowers? They're also made of bhava. Otherwise, they're just flowers, right? And it's like, you know, what, what's so special about flowers? You know? Actually, we've, we've interrupted the whole thing. You know, like they're, 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 they're meant to do something outside. And we, we brought them in, you know, we're collecting all this type of stuff. All this expense, all this, people are bringing so many things, flowers and milk and all these things are coming in, Right? <laughs> You know, to see, you know, it's like, uh, uh, um, what is it? this? This is also bhava, right? If it's just external worship, that, that has no meaning, right? Why would somebody like, oh, I want, I want to, I want to worship Ma with milk, or want to Ma with with sandalwood paste, right? Only, really, you're only offering external worship is bhava. There's no, there's no external worship. External worship has no meaning without bhava. That's what these statements are. Without, without internal worship. External worship has no meaning, right? That's what it means. I mean, it's, it, it's like, what does it mean? Like, if you bow to mom, bowing has no, it's not exercise, it's not for lower back exercise or something, you know. I read something really stupid on, you know, that the reason we bow to elders is to keep the lower back liquid, you know, the ancient sages have given, just see the glory of our ancient Hindu sages. Oh, I hate those. I never post those if you want to be on my friend on Facebook. I hate those things, you know, really hate those things. Science finally proves the purpose of this is to, you know, it's like, it's like, no, these are the things that these are these, they're made of bhava. Without bhava, these things are just they don't they make sense. So external worship is internal worship. That's the point, right? Uh, and it's but there's a reason. This first internal worship, then external worship. Why, right? There is a reason. We've mentioned this a few a few months ago in our discussion. It's uh, um, we're meant to do external worship. There's a reason for it, right? 
we're setting because it because it, the puja culminates with the external worship, not the internal. You think by spiritual power and, and it, it, that, that this would be the height of the puja, not the ringing a bell and waving lights around in front of a statue or a picture, right? Poster art, you know, downloaded, right click on Google pictures or something, you know? That makes no sense, right? Are we out of something wrong or is it okay? Battery's dead? Okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm almost dead too, so I'll, I'll finish within two minutes. It's gonna, I'm gonna do my bump bump, do my final final thing, because I don't want to go back. We we we'll move to the next section. I did it all in one sitting. I didn't know if it was gonna be ten sittings or one sitting on Manasapuja, <laughs> right? Uh, but it culminates It culminates with the external puja. Now everything we do has infinite meaning, right? We're offering the universe. We're offering our emotion. We're offering our spiritual realization. Oceans of nectar. Right, the fire element, you know, it's like it's the eternal sound, Om, the thousand puddle lotus. It's like that's real puja, right? So it doesn't culminate with the meditation. It meditates. It culminates with arati and the blowing of conscious and the waving of fire and fans and like that. So, but now it's not just a fan, not just an instick of incense, and not just a little bit of water and milk and things like that. It's cosmic. It's bhava. You know, this is the external worship is the full overflowing of the of of the internal worship. And one of the ideas uh, often given as one of the, uh, the poetic things is like op- like overflow like overboiling milk, right? You know, it's like it 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 it, it, oh, it, it the air internal bubble spills into the external into external behavior, right? So this is the uh, the idea. So really, I am ten minutes late. Please forgive me. Actually, I'm hour and ten minutes late. But yes, tell me you have we have thirty seconds to answer the question. I have one second to answer. Don't hang up yet. Okay. That's not in this list, but the mirror, what is that? It's her reflection, right? Install, her, install the goddess of the mind in the mind, right? What she look at. Exactly, we've, sometimes we talk about puja itself, like staring at your eyes and your own eyes in the mirror. We yeah. talk about that. Mm-hmm. The play of duality and non-duality is her. It, I mean, it's, that's a really good question, which for next week. <laughs> Thank you for your kind attention and patience. Huh? The battery was fine. Okay. Oh, he got me all scared. <laughs> and you did the rapper saving, yeah. saving and high D and posting. Yeah, I'm all Let's go because.